Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. If you have a Bible, let's go to first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We are in a series entitled The Disciplines of the Godly Life. And this is our sixth installment, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, please. And we will be reading here a few verses in just a moment, as soon as you get there. We have already, in our study, talked about uh, some important essentials in the Christian, godly Christian life. And I trust that you are growing in the Lord. The Bible commands us to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a discipline to keep these wonderful essentials, uh, a part of our Christian walk, so that we don't slide or slip or forget. We talked about the study of the Word, and I mentioned five R's or so. We're to read the Bible. We're to reread it consistently, reflect on it, record what has come to our mind in the reading of it, rehearse it, and then that helps in remembering. So read your Bible, think about it often, write it down, Speak what God has spoken to you. Be biblical in how you speak to others. That's where encouragement comes. Be biblical. Love the Bible. And then secondly, we talked about prayer. Some of you remember it's been a while, but this is the means by which we communicate with God. Our heart cry. Our heart cry of dependence. Prayer is simply the spirit of dependence that we utter all the time towards God. I hope you're in the habit of praying and not just at church but praying without ceasing all the time. A spirit of prayer ought to motivate your life to communicate deeply with the Lord. If you just pray once in a while, when you run out of things, run out of ideas or money or health, you're treating God more as a fireman than a friend, more as a convenience store than a king. So pray. How is your prayer life? How's it been? And then, thirdly, we talked about worship. Anybody remember what worship means? It means to adore, to kiss the hand of a king. I wonder if you've just taken time to slow down. Look God in the eye, based on Scripture, adore him for who he is. Worship him. He alone is worthy of our worship. God created you for relationship, for worship. Then, fourthly, we talked about evangelism. In fact, tonight... Sometimes I get this when it comes to outreach. I, I hear people say, I'd love to be more consistent and compassionate in my evangelism, but I, I want to, but I don't know how. Tonight will be very practical. We'll just probably just come down front and, and share just a simple way that I think would be helpful to you and to others in sharing your faith. And it's so important that God's called us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, proclaim it. We talked in our little Sunday school class with kind of the new members, about what did the early church do when they left church? In Acts chapter, I believe it's 8, it tells us they left and they scattered abroad preaching the word, proclaiming Christ. That's what we're to do. The good news has affected us in such a way. In fact, Colossians chapter 4, Paul says, pray for me that I would speak the word as I ought to speak it. What is he saying? We ought to speak it. All of us are commanded to do that. And then fifthly, we talk about church life, to be faithful in church attendance and the love of the church. 
The church is so important. Again, the warmth of the body, the accountability of the body, and the fellowship that we enjoy. We need each other, not just to sit and listen to a message once in a while, but we need each other to help each other grow. Accountability and the love of the body is so important. Now, today, we're at uh, part six, and this is one that's perhaps not as fun to talk about, but very essential. In fact, I can't think of the last time I heard a message on biblical separation, but let's look at some verses that are right in front of you in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's begin reading in verse 14. I don't know what you think about this word. Probably some negative connotations jump to your mind, perhaps some poor experiences with legalistic Christians. I don't know. But let's read what God has to say about this topic. And I want to remind you that over a hundred times in the Bible, God says, uses the word or derivation of the word to separate, to come out. So we're going to talk about the positive side of this, the two sides of separation. Be ye not, verse 14, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Often we think of that in terms of weddings and marriage, but Paul has a greater context in mind, all the different guilds and jobs and, and relationships that these, really these folks in Corinth had, and he's being careful to remind them that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Be careful about how closely associated you are with the world and worldlings. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord? What unity hath Christ with Belial or the devil? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God? You are the temple of God, he's reminding them, with idols. For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So closely is God associated with you that he is living within you, my brother. You are reflection, just as the Old Testament system was so pure and kept that way on purpose. You are a reflection of his holy, holiness and purity. Wherefore, come ye out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Rejection is connected to reception. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What an important principle it is that we are to be connected to the Lord uh, by way of rejecting the world. And uh, this is a wonderful principle. The truth of biblical separation is, is that it is the door to sweet communion with the Lord. Biblical separation is not what sometimes our Amish friends do. It's not isolation. If God wanted us to get saved and then to isolate ourselves from the world, what would he have done? He would have made a big cave and stuffed the church in it and said, wait till I return. Don't leave the cave. But God wants us to be what? In the world, but not, you've heard this many times, not of it. And so there's a great truth here. Uh, sometimes we are mistaken about our definition of biblical separation. It sometimes is believed that biblical separation is simply the removal of the Christian from all that's fun. Maybe your teens would have that definition the removal from everything that's in the good life. And so we just kind of have to go somewhere and, 
and I've heard this sometimes on my outreach, so it isn't, isn't and they, they, they use the name of your church, right? Oh, oh, that's the church where you can't have any fun, right? You, you can't, uh, can't do this and you can't do that. A big definition of rules. That, that's, that, it's a cult over there, isn't it? That's where everybody wears this type of clothing and the ladies have their hair up in a big bun. You know, that's, that's the church, isn't it? Where all the guys wear a three-piece suit, wear wingtips, have the comb over the necktie that's uh, got the American flag on it, King James Bible, degree from, you can name the colleges, right? That's that church. They're super hyper separated. We need a good definition of biblical separation, don't we? Again, the Bible uses this term over a hundred times, New and Old Testament alike. And there's a, I guess the simple definition of separate or separa- uh, separation is, is this. Come out, divide, or set apart. That's it in a nutshell. At least that's one side of the idea of separation. We used to get milk. This tells you how old I am. We used to get milk when we were on furlough. This was back when I was in grade school. It was delivered to our house, the good old days. And I won't ask you to raise your hand if you remember the good old days. But uh, they came to our house in the little, well, there was a six-pack of glass containers, glass containers, glass bottles. And I can remember that when we got this raw milk from the farmers nearby, when we, when we went to the front porch and picked it up, the cream was all on top. And uh, the, well, mom called it skim milk or blue john. I don't know why she called it blue john milk, but it had that color. It was all on the bottom. The cream had separated from the milk. Now, of course, they have, you buy the milk that's homogenized and pasteurized and all that. You can't tell the difference. But back in the day, there was this separation. Farmers that I worked for also had another uh, time where they would separate their hogs. I worked for a hog farmer, and I'm glad kind of those days are behind me. But... Um, I worked for the hog farmer. You could always tell when you came on to the, into the farm. I drove from my house in the city to the farm, and man, you could just smell. It was a horrible smell, but at the end of the day, you couldn't smell it at all until you got home and you met your mother at the door. But, uh, so there would be separation day on the farm where the fat, the fat hogs, as we called them, would separate them. <laughs> they would separate them. We'd have to separate them for market, and the, the farmer would kind of go, and he, he'd kind of cull them out. It was a bad day if you're a hog being separated unto bacon, right? Separated unto pork chops. But that certainly was a day on the... And then in high school, there was another idea of separation. To come out, to separate, to divide. Our high school basketball team never was tall enough to play basketball very well. Uh, And so I know about this firsthand. The coach would try out everybody, a big Christian high school, and there wasn't enough to make the 12 or 14 man roster team. And so... Everybody would try out, and those that weren't good enough would be called out, separated. And so there were that little, that was that little sign on the bulletin board in the locker room, and you'd find out whether you were part of the team or had to just cheer in the stands all, all year long for the basketball players. And there was the roster of those that were not called out or separated or taken away. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 40, the Bible says there's a day coming where there's going to be a separation as well. Did you know that? At the end of the tribulation, the Bible says two men will be uh, working in a field together. And all of a sudden there will be a separation as God calls away 
takes away the unbelievers to judgment, and the believers will go on into the millennial period of time. He says, Watch ye therefore, for you know not the hour when the Lord will come. Question, are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Even at the rapture, there will be a separation. The church will be taken away, caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Separation is a biblical term. And so we want to be careful that when we meet the Lord, we're ready for Him. Strictly speaking, separation simply means dividing out, setting apart, taking away. Why would the Lord be so concerned about us that he would ask us over a hundred times to separate ourselves from the world. Well, I think there's great reasons biblically to understand separation. Separation truly has a sense of two sides. It's not just that we are saved from the world and out of the world to live, and some people would say a kind of a strange, odd, <laughs> weird way. No, that's not the point. We are saved from the world so that we might live for Christ. The two sides of the coin. We are rescued away from sin, death, and hell that we might be placed into fellowship with God. So there's the removal or the, uh, the, so that there can be a retrieval. There's a, a saying no so that we can say yes to something else. Our little grandson, Asa, what is he now? Robin, about, is he a year yet? He's somewhere in there. He hasn't learned to walk. He's behind some of your one-year-olds. He's still crawling. He likes to be carried around. But uh, at one year, of, he's, he's beginning to learn some concepts. Parents, what is one of the first words your kids ever learn? <laughs> No! Why is that? Why isn't the first word atonement, redemption? No, because they've heard it from you. In fact, he's just learning the word yes. No was his first word because he's heard it so many times. No, don't touch that. No, stop. Don't, don't, don't eat that. He's eating rocks right out of the driveway. Stop that. Oh. Spit that out. Just recently, he's learned, we're excited about this. He's learning the idea about shaking his head this way. Yes. But our inclination, right, is to the world. It's to the culture. Even though you're saved, there's this, there's in us this magnetism to do wrong. And so this discipline of separation is so important. I want us to understand as we look at verses 17 and 18, the other side, the positive side of this wonderful principle. Wherefore, come ye out from among them, speaking of the Corinthian church, riddled with all sorts of cultural uh, magnets to be wrong, to be, to be sensual, to have relationships that would hurt their walk with God. He says, come out. As a church, the word ecclesia means to come out from. Be separate, be holy, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I think thing is supplied by the translators. 
It's written in cursive in my Bible. It means that it isn't there in the original. Just don't touch all the unclean associations around you. And I will what? Here's the other side of separation. I will receive you. And I'll be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. As you reject volitionally, as you grow in Christ and your maturity, you reject the things that will hurt you and harm you. One day we hope Asa, on his own, will stop eating rocks and dirt and bugs and reject the things that will hurt him spiritually as he grows and knows the Lord. And, and the Lord is saying, as you reject and remove from your life those things that hinder and impede your walk with God, you will understand that in heaven, as a father, I will smile at you and receive you as my son and daughter. In other words, in a sense of relationship. So never, never, did I say never? Never think of biblical separation as simply saying no. Always include with that idea, biblically, separation is, a, is the idea that we are saying no to the world and the evil around us in order that we might enjoy a deep relationship with Christ to receive his approval. He's already justified us because of his blood, not because of anything that we have done, because he loved us. He justified us. He made us part of his family. But as we grow in sanctification, we are to say no to the world in order that we might please Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And isn't it wonderful? Man, look at me. Ladies, look at me. Isn't it wonderful when you wake up in the morning and you haven't been playing with sin the day before? been walking with God. You don't have to start your day every day by saying, God, forgive me again. I've, I've done the same. Put a, put a band-aid, Lord, on this same sin, and because I'm going right back to it. No. It wonderful as a father bringing his family around. Thank you for choosing to do right. Thank you for choosing to do right, because you love me as I love you. That's the two sides. You know, there is this gravitational pull, I mentioned it, to the, to the world. And so the two sides of the coin were saved out of unto, from and for. Astronauts know the freedom that comes when they escape the gravitational pull of the earth. Love the smiles we see on pictures of these guys that are free-floating in space. They've been removed from the gravitation. One day we'll get to heaven and there will be no gravitational pull. Sin will be no more. But they're still tethered up there, aren't they? They're, just, they're tethered to the mother ship, so to speak. So there's still a connection, a responsibility to another world, another home. In a sense, as Christians, we live between two worlds. And God wants us to make choices to say no appropriately so that we can say yes to God and his calling in our lives. And if you think saying no is a difficult thing, just let nature inform you. Isn't it wonderful to see a bird flying in the air high above? He's come apart from the nest. <laughs> and now he has this freedom. And tell, talk about your kids. Remember that day when you finally got your kids to learn how to ride that bike and they took off the training wheels and they wobbled around a little bit, fell over a few times. But all oh, the joys, they finally learned how to zip up and down the street or at least the sidewalk in front of your house. There's a smile that comes when there's that freedom. You say, no, 
and then you get to say yes. Removal brings approval. Separation precedes intimacy. Leaving before cleaving, forsaking before following. And I guess the ultimate example of this is two uh, folks standing before a preacher. The, the, the lady has the wedding gown on, beautiful white wedding gown, and the, the preacher asks the man, now do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife and forsaking all others? Will you give yourself to her and to her alone until you are parted by death? There's silence in the room. You're hoping the guy says yes. She's hoping he says yes. Leaving precedes that deep intimacy with one person. What if this guy would say, Preacher, I think so. <laughs> I, I, but there's, this, there's three other girls I'm still wondering about. The preacher would do this, Time out. Let's, let's huddle up. This isn't going to work. Forsaking all others. You commit yourself to this one. And he has to come to the place where he looks her in the eye and says, You, out of all the women in the world, I've chosen to be mine. And we have a unique covenant that, that's going to be mutually exclusive so that we might enjoy the intimacies of covenant life together with all that entails. That's what's meant by the wedding ring and the vows that are made. There's that, there's that, that leaving, that separation so that there might be greater intimacy. And that's what the Lord is telling us. If any man will follow, and I know we're going to have a short, time of, of, of actual points, but I'm, I'm, still in, I'm still on the runway. But follow me. When Jesus said to his, to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him, let him deny himself. Luke chapter 9. And, 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 and then what? And, and take up his cross. The Lord didn't say, I'm going to make your fishing boat bigger, Peter, and I'm going to give you a house on the hill and make you healthy, wealthy, prosperous, and wise. He simply said, if any man will come after me, here's the recruiting call. Let him deny. I didn't hear very loud out there. Let him deny himself, separate from all selfish desires, all things that the world would call him, let him deny himself all his dreams and ambitions, take up his cr cross, Lord. Did you say cross? What is a cross in those days? What did it mean? It meant that this man carrying the cross was on his way to what? Execution, death. So in a sense, you are saying no to everything that was so attractive to you in this life, and you're taking out now my life, uh, my dreams, my ambitions, and you are committing yourself to the same. By saying no to the world, you're saying yes to the exciting adventure of being a Christian. You can't have it both ways. Some of you are trying to live in two worlds. And the Bible says an un, a, a double-minded man is what? He's unstable in all of his ways. You're eating off the devil's table and then trying to come to church and eat off the Lord's table. Inside, you're confused, you're hurt, and you're anemic spiritually, and you know that you're not right with your Father in heaven because the devil is after you, and you're listening and looking and 
seeking and turning your attention time and time to him. And the Lord is saying, choose you this day whom you will serve. Take up your cross and follow me. Now that's all on the runway. So let me give you quickly three wonderful truths about the idea. It's a wonderful word. Three truths about really the the idea of separation. Number one, what is the incentive for our separation? You see it in 2 Corinthians, back up a chapter, chapter 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear, are you there? For we must all appear before the judgment seat. He's speaking to believers. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Now this isn't about whether you're saved or lost, these are truly believers he's speaking to in the Corinthian church, that every one of you may be rewarded for the things done in your body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So there's a time of stewardship. There's a, this is our day of stewardship. We are, we are serving the Lord now. So there's a day coming, the Lord reminds us, and the reason I want you to say no to all the attractions and time wasters in the world is this. It's not just always evil things. It's things that may be good that are detracting us from what's best and better. And the Lord says, there's a day coming, when, and it's coming soon, that I'm going to bring you into my presence at the rapture, and there will be a bame, a judgment seat, and you're going to be judged for the things and all the gifts that I've given you, the time that you had, the treasure you had. And at that moment, I want you to understand that you will be standing before me giving an account for your life. And what is your life? It's but a vapor that appears for a moment and vanishes away. What will you say then? And so we are to say no to the attractions around us in the world. They're not all bad, right? But some of them can trip us up for what's best. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every man, every one of us be rewarded in that day. The purpose then, or at least the incentive, is that day I stand before the Lord by the way, God knows where your heart is. Psalm 44, 21, Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secret things of the heart. You don't slide anything under the rug for him. He knows what you love. And if you don't love him most, love him best, he knows that. And one day, not only what you've done, but the motivations for what you, how you've done them will be Brought up before the Lord who knows the secrets of your heart. My friend, you're not hiding anything from God. And if you're playing games with the playing footsie with the devil this morning, may I encourage you to stop it and give your heart wholeheartedly to God? Because life is so short, and one day he's going to ask you not only what did you do for me, what did you do at the time you had, but how did you do it? So that's the incentive. The day is coming and fast approaching. Now the second is the purpose. And again, I mentioned we're going to go through these things rather quickly. The purpose of our separation. Sometimes you think, well, I've got to look a certain way and act a certain way because at that church or that school or that institution, if I don't walk that way, look that way, and act that way, I'll get demerits. It may be true. But that's not the purpose of our separation. We're not just trying to stay out of trouble with our wives or our teachers or our pastor. 
What's the purpose of this? Chapter 5, and look at verse 17 with me, please. Uh, look in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. You're a new creature. You're newly natured in Christ. Old things are passing away. Hopefully, things are becoming more and more godlike in your life. All things are becoming new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Don't let these words just kind of slip past you. You've been new natured. You've been rescued from hell, death, and sin. Power of God is now inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit. There's no excuse for sinning anymore, but still we're drawn to it, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God we love. But God is going to add to this a layer of truth. Not only have I saved you, positionally justified you, adopted you, made you fit for the king, the righteousness of God covers you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who you are in Christ. But I want you to know something. You are purposed. The reason God saved you from the clutches of hell and the devil is that he might make you an ambassador for him. So... The reason I say no to the world and the allurements of the world is because God, think of this now, you're the ambassador of a king and he has given you a job to do. And that job is to reflect him to the world. What a calling. You have been reconciled, made right with God. That's a relationship word. You have been made right with God in order that you might see others come to know him too. And so you have to reflect God correctly. Who in the last little while has seen you and said, I'd sure like to know about why you're different? Not weird, odd, strange, but why is it that you have a joy in your troubles that others don't have? How come it is that you respond differently to life? There is something in you that's almost otherworldly, and I want that. When's the last time someone's looked you in the eye and said, I, I don't have what you have, and I need it. I want it in my life. You are ambassador. That's the purpose. That's why you're here. I know that uh, some of you follow uh, the evangelist Ray Comfort and some of his materials, but he was talking to a college boy, and he was interviewing this boy on video. He's videoing this, and this, this, this kid was in a, in a major in college that had to do with, with philosophy. And so he asked the boy, where did you come from? And the boy said, I have no clue. Neither does my teacher. And he said, now, where are you going? The boy looked at uh, Ray Comfort and said, I, I don't know. Nobody can know. And he said, a third question for you, son. Why are you here? He said, I have no clue. No one's ever told me. So I don't know where I'm from. Don't know where I'm going. Don't know why I'm here. And God has said, you're purposed in Christ. You've been saved from the clutches of hell, uh, sin and death. And I've given you uh, ambassadorship, if you could say that. I've given you a calling to reflect my grace and glory. You're called to this so that others might be reconciled to Christ. So dad and mom... In the home, do your children know that you have been saved? Do you act like it there and out in the marketplace of life?
I'm newly natured. And he's given to me, verse 19, the word of reconciliation. What a stewardship you have. You've been saved and you've been given the word of reconciliation. The word demands that we personally experience a change from death to life. We've been regenerated and we want others to know him as well. So we are to be live in a state of reconciliation. That's not just when we get saved, but as we walk with the Lord. I, I know there's a, a story. I, a man told me this when I was in the construction field. He was a young man. He knew that on the weekends I was a, kind of a lay preacher in a church nearby. So he said, I got to tell you what happened to me. He, he was not a believer. He said, this weekend I went on a drunk. I don't know if you know what that is. That's where they just go out and, and live the wild life. And most of my drywall finishing friends were living that life. He says, I got drunk this weekend and I did something. I messed up. He didn't call it sin. He said, I messed up and I ended up in jail. They caught me. He says, I woke up in this cell right next to a, an older guy. And he was uh, kind of in there for the same thing that I was. And all of a sudden, this, this man got religion. He called himself a preacher. He was talking to me now, telling the story. He says, you won't believe this. But he looked at, you know, through his foggy eyes, he looked at me and said, son, where are you going when you die? <laughs> he said, I'm a preacher, and I want you to know you can know God. And so this boy said, here's what I told him. I looked at him, I said, I'm going the same place you are. I'm going to hell. That shook the preacher up a little bit. Now, I don't know if that preacher was a genuine believer or not. But he was, if he was, he was an ambassador of Christ. It certainly lost his way. God says you are to act like me, holy, a reflection of me. Be holy as I am holy. Thus saith the Lord. We, as Christians, ought not be so much in love with hell that people can't tell whose side we're on. Why separate? Because the incentive is the judgment seat. There's ministry, reconciliation. God's given us that ministry. And then finally, there's the idea of the pleasure in our separation. You say, how could it be pleasurable to say no to the inclinations of the flesh and the world, the devil? It seems like they're having all the fun. Ah, but friend, I don't know if you know the joy that comes from verses 17 and 18. Wherefore, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you. Reject the world, be received by me, and I will be a close and loving father to you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What does your home look like? Grace, according to chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1, is not the permission to act the fool, to love the world. We then as workers together, chapter 6 and verse 1, with him beseech you, but we beg you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. We have missed... We have missed uh, Define grace if we think it's just God's blindness to our sinfulness. And God is calling us to holy life because 
The grace of God is not permission to live like we want to. The grace of God calls us to say no to the inclinations of the flesh and to please God from our hearts. For thus he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation. Have I helped thee? Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Grace is not permissiveness. You come to Christ as you are, but bless God, you don't stay just as you were. I love the hymns of John Newton. Among them is Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, just like that college boy. Don't know where I was from, where I'm going, why I'm here. But now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. John Newton, you know about him? Slave trader, profligate, wasting his life. God turned him around. He got saved, truly saved on a ship. He read Thomas Kempis, The Imitation of Christ, and then when he got back to England, he was influenced by Whitfield and Wesley, these at that time great Methodist preachers, and he got thoroughly saved. I mean, when he got saved, you knew it. He left the slave trade. His life was changed. And although not a lot of people believed it, he said, I want to go into the ministry. So he taught himself, think of this, he taught himself Greek and Hebrew and went on to pastor church at Olney and write great hymns that we still love today. Amazing grace. Here's what he said. This is my testimony too. I'm not the man I ought to be. I'm not the man I wish or hope to be. But praise God, I'm not the man I used to be. He said, I'm not beating slaves anymore, chasing women, drinking to drunkenness, carousing anymore. He understood. Verses 14 through 16 of our text. I'm not unequally yoked anymore. I'm not loving the unrighteousness around me. I'm not fellowshipping with the devil and trying to fellowship with Christ because I enjoy a relationship, verse 18, with my Father that is sweet, clean, and pure. I love this picture on the screen behind us, the family praying together, a dad who's thankful for his kids, who's Children are walking in the ways of the Lord. We can assume the positive side of separation, not just saying no, but the joy that comes when we have that sweet communion with Christ again. I will be a father to you, and you, my sons and daughters, this is the intimacy, the relationship with God that's so key. That is the door. Separation is a discipline of life of the Christian that opens the door to great, deep kinship and friendship with the Lord that's so, so precious. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you.